Welcome to the busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to comment on this episode or the podcast in general. To leave a comment, click on the link in the show notes. Because I'm not posting a weekly episode, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast to be informed when a new episode has been posted. You subscribe by tapping on the subscribe or follow button. Each podcast app is different, so if you don't see the follow or subscribe button, a simple Google search will show you how. If you enjoy this podcast and have benefited from it, I encourage you to start donating a few dollars to the General Missionary Fund each month. This podcast has listeners throughout the world, and recently Murray from Australia emailed me suggesting that I have him as a guest on the podcast. Well, (laughs) I never turned down such a request, so Murray joins us from down under, making this episode special because it's my first interview with someone outside of the United States. And in a few weeks, I'll be speaking to another Aussie referred to me by Murray. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast from outside the United States and would like to be a guest on the podcast, email me at help at thebusylatterdaysaint.com. Now, there's no hyphen between latter and day. It's just all one word. So it's just thebusylatterdaysaint.com. So help at thebusylatterdaysaint.com. Now, getting back to Murray, he was a delight to talk to. And by the end of the interview, I felt that I was meeting with an old friend. And now... Here's Murray. Well, Murray, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you have a, I guess, a dubious honor of being the first podcast of mine that's outside the United States. Where, where are you located? Um, I'm located in, in Australia. Uh, I live in a little town called Lara, which is part of a bigger town called Geelong or Geelong as uh, Americans might like to say it, which is near a much larger city called Melbourne, or Melbourne, as an Australian would say it. So uh, Melbourne is a very big city. It's uh, about 5 million people. Uh, Geelong is a much smaller city of about 250,000. And my little town of Lara is probably about 10,000 people. All right. And you're at the... um really the southern tip of australia yes yes we are so uh we are we we have what you'd call a mediterranean type climate it it gets quite yeah and in in fact it's summertime there now for you uh not quite not quite quite. okay it's late 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 spring so officially for us uh december is the start of summer okay so Um, are you throwing um are you throwing snags on the Barbie now? <laughs> um, not, not yet. Uh, and that's not something that all Australians do, but some will be for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I have in front of me a list of about 100, they call them slang from Australia. Very interesting. Your afternoons are Arvo. <laughs> Is that correct? Arvo? Yeah. Yeah, Arvo. Yep. And yep. And, you're, and you're, I guess, too old to have any um, ankle biters in your house. Uh, yes, my wife and I are what you'd call empty nesters. I oh, think okay. that's a common. Yeah. I think that might be a common saying that we have. <laughs> well, now, um, 
Tell me a little bit about your family. Okay, well, um, my wife Margot and I have been married for 25, 25 years. Um, coming up to 26 years in January, January the 6th, we, we married in 1996. Uh, and we have one daughter. Uh, her name is Miriam, and she recently married. Uh, she's a return missionary, and she married another return missionary. They married in the Melbourne Temple, uh, and they are living uh, across the bay from us, we say. It's across the bay. It's about, a, it's about an hour and a half drive. Uh, and we haven't actually been to their place yet. <laughs> oh, okay. um, yeah, so uh, she's uh, mid mid twenties, twenty four, okay. twenty five, and uh, she married a young return missionary who's about the oh. same age, now, a couple of years older. Now, wh- where did she serve? She served in the Sydney North Mission. Oh, okay. so Sydney, S- Sydney, Australia, um, and uh, uh, that at the time Sydney was divided into two missions. It's since been uh, combined back into one mission. Oh. Um, yeah, so uh, she served, uh, you know, pretty much as soon as she she turned uh, 19, I think. Um, and, yeah, so she she really enjoyed her mission. I, I can still remember sitting in sacrament meeting with her sitting beside me uh, when it was announced that uh, sisters could go on missions when they turn 19 instead of waiting till 21 mm-hmm. and she she grabbed me excitedly says dad i can go on a mission now she didn't <laughs> want to wait till she, she didn't want to wait till she was 21 uh but she was happy to go at 19 and you know i was so glad that uh that policy was changed yes yeah. uh you know because it, it it just seemed like a long wait and i, I think I, I don't know what you see over there in the states richard but i think we, we seem to have a more success in keeping young men active than young women active mm-hmm. because, you know, the young men finish high school yep. and they're off on their mission straight away. That They didn't have to wait. And, you know, the, the prospect of waiting three years after high school yes. to go on a mission, yes. it, you know, it, there was no immediate goal and uh, not, not, you know, a church-related goal perhaps anyway. Uh, so I think that was just a great decision to change that policy. Yes, and she found her husband there. Uh, no, no, she didn't no, find no. her husband. Okay. No, no, he, he served in Finland. Oh, Finland, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So uh, uh, long way. <laughs> you couldn't get further. It would be hard to get further away from Australia than Finland. <laughs> yes, I, I, I would actually agree with that. I was told uh, when I worked at the MTC here in Provo, um, that Finnish was one of the most difficult languages to learn. And um, this goes back several years, but someone who is a native to Finland um, worked at the MTC, you know, to uh, help the missionaries um, practice their, their uh, lessons. And he said he was blown away by how well these missionaries could speak Finnish and he wondered mm. what the, he wondered what the secret was. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Lord kind of took care of that, but um, yeah, I've been told yeah. it, it's something about the verbs. I think that it is, makes it very very difficult to to speak. Well, yeah. now, um, what do you? You told me you were semi-retired as a salesman, but you I guess have been selling all sorts of different things. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I tell people I'm trying to retire, and I'm not doing a very good job of it. 
<laughs> it's 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 hard to retire, but you know, as as of uh, February uh, or February March next year, um, the Lord will take care of that because uh, my wife and I will be uh, starting our MTC training and and serving a mission. One thing I must say, Richard, before just before we get too much into that, I have one other daughter. Oh. There's a surprise for you. Um, so uh, Margot is my second wife. My my first marriage ended uh, after a few years, and I have a daughter from my first marriage who is a, a young 33, 32-year-old. 32 mm-hmm. I think she turns, she turns 33 very soon, actually, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, so um, mm. she's a, she, uh, you'd be interested in this. She's a musician. Oh. Uh, and she's at university at the moment studying music composition. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so she uh, she's a psychiatric nurse, um, but very talented musically. I, I laughingly say she gets her musical talent from me, but she actually, <laughs> <laughs> if you heard, if you heard me say, if you heard me sing, if you hear me sing, you wouldn't say that. Um, so yeah, she, yeah. she got a mu- musical talent from her mother, but she's studying music composition um, with the hope of using that for sort of music therapy with uh, okay. her psychiatric. Yeah. Now, patients. what what instruments does she play? Uh, well, her first instrument was flute. Uh, she studied flute at high school, and uh, she sort of self-taught keyboards. Uh, but she's have, having to learn keyboards properly now, doing her musical music composition degree, uh, and she's self-taught guitar. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so she's a multi-instrumentalist, I guess you'd yes, say, yes. And, and and she has a beautiful voice as well. Oh well, that's I think that's wonderful. I think music is. Uh, very important, very, very important in all of our lives, especially <laughs> yeah. with the hymns and everything. But uh, I guess you as you probably know, that's what my degree in is in music. And in fact, I just started my uh, taking organ lessons again after decades oh, really? <laughs> uh, because I've been called to play the organ in the uh, for the ward. Uh, there's four of us. So we each go, you know, once a month to play. But I just figured... I've been doing it for about a year, and for I've got to get some help. I've got to play. I got to do better. So anyway, well, that, that, so anyway, I had my first <laughs> lesson, and I really, uh, really enjoyed it. I haven't had a music lesson in decades, but it was very enjoyable. That, that's fantastic. And and the good thing about only playing once a month, you you could have a whole month to practice those hymns. That you're yes, that's exactly what I do. I work at it very hard. Really, the other organists are much better than I am. I don't know why they asked me to do it, but they have. And so I decided, well, I'm going to go back to school and uh, and um, start putting it all together. Well, now, you Fantastic. said that, that you worked with micro-businesses. What, what is that? So a micro-business, in Australia, we have these, you know, sort of terms for different size businesses, and, and a small business could be, you know, and I'm not sure of the technical division here, but a, a micro business is one, two, three employees, oh, okay. four employees maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't qualify qualified to be a quite a small business into a maybe mm-hmm. maybe twenty employees or something like that. Perhaps okay. I'm not sure exactly where the where the division lies. Yeah. But uh, but w- one thing you'd, you you'll find in Australia can Perhaps, perhaps compared with the U.S., I'm not sure, is that 
a lot of church members in Australia are, are self-employed. Oh, I did not all know work, that. All work in very small businesses. And part of the reason for that, I think, is that, and, and this would be interesting for you to comprehend coming from Utah, where you are, um, the Australia population of Australia is about 25 million. Um, in the last census, which was 2016, about 60,000 people self-identified as Latter-day Saints, mm. uh, which makes that about 0.25% uh, of the population, roughly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the number of members on the church records in Australia is about 130,000. Uh, so, you know, we have about 50% of that number self-identifying as Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're a very, very small part of the population. We're one of the smallest religions in the country. And we tend not to fit in very well. Oh. So in the big corporate environments, uh, and I worked in, in one of the biggest corporations uh, in Australia, our, our national telecommunications carrier uh, back in the 80s, um, we just don't fit in that well because, number one, we don't drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, um, you know, not not fitting in that well, you know, you just don't feel all that comfortable sometimes. So uh, a lot of Latter-day Saints here tend to be fairly entrepreneurial and think about, well, how can I get out of this situation in this big yeah. corporation where I don't fit in that well mm -hmm. and what can I do to, you know, start my own business and yeah. be self Now, so. is alcohol uh, um, big in Australia? I mean, do most people drink? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Yeah. And, and when you say you don't drink, people say, so you don't drink at all? <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, I drink water, I drink fruit juice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, well, can I give you a tea or coffee? Uh, no, 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 I don't drink those either. <laughs> okay, well, you know, we 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 are what we call in Australia a cheap shout. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, now, uh, some information you sent me, you said that um, small businesses, even surfing hardware, do you surf? Yes, yes. I, I grew up, um, so uh, Geelong is about um, 15, 20 k's from the coast. So I grew up in Geelong, and I didn't really like competitive sports all that much, uh, although I was a very good table tennis player. But I, uh, in my very early teenage years, uh, my dad and I bought some surfboards. Well, let's say <laughs> my dad bought some two surfboards. Uh, so we had one each and we went surfing. And uh, uh, so I, I started surfing proper surfboards when I was probably 13 years old, about that first year of high school. Uh, although we'd, grow, we'd grown up going to the beach as children all the time because that's what you do in the school holidays. You, as a family, you'd, you'd go to the beach. Um, and so I, I was doing re what people would recognize as regular surfing for a long time. Uh, and then in more recent times, I got into wind sports. So kite surfing particularly. Oh, okay. Uh, which is, you, you know, you, you might not have any comprehension about what kite surfing is, but you have a, a rather large kite, which yes. is about yeah. you know, nine, nine or 10 square meters mm -hmm. flying on lot, you know, lines that are about 25 meters from you. You're hooked into a harness and you stand on a board and, off you go across the water. Yes, um, yeah. yeah, I've yes. I, I've I've seen those, 
and, oh, uh, really? and, and, and we have those here. I was curious about the surfing because I did look at the map where you live. Uh, mm. And it amazes me how big Australia is, by the way. But anyway, mm. um, you uh, you're actually in a very large bay or, or harbor. So where do you go to surf where you have the waves? Oh, okay, so yeah, we we live on uh, Port Phillip Bay. Corio Bay is a small part of Port Phillip Bay, but across the peninsula that forms the bay is the ocean. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we drive across the peninsula and we're at the ocean. Uh, from where I live in Lara, it's about a half hour drive. Oh, okay. Uh, from the middle of Geelong, it's about a 15, 20 minute drive. Although that drive has become longer because of all the traffic lights that have been put in in recent times. But, um, you know, it, oh. it, it's not that far. It's so that far. so they're trying to slow you down a little bit. Uh, well, there's been massive housing developments in the area. So oh. um, all those housing developments have create a lot more traffic and intersections which need traffic control so yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they slowed they slowed us down a lot yeah, yeah. now church wise what callings have you held um look a variety of different callings uh nothing nothing terribly exceptional i guess i I'd, I'd say uh my wife and i are currently serving as stake temple and family history consultants um and we we enjoy that calling it's not a terribly demanding calling, uh, but it's it's interesting. My wife is also the director of the uh, Family History Centre at our ward. Well, it's a stake Family History Centre. It's controlled mm-hmm. by the stake, but it's in our ward building. Um, and, and that was a busy thing for her two or three days a week in the Family History Centre um, pre-COVID. <laughs> uh, so for the last two years, basically, that really hasn't been operating. Yeah. Uh, we're just coming out of lockdown. Melbourne, by the way, has been, according to reports, the most locked down city in the whole world. Oh, I hadn't read that. Oh, it's been it's, it's been an interesting time here. Um, we we've had, and unfortunately, because we live outside what we call metropolitan Melbourne, we live in regional Victoria. So Melbourne and Geelong, we're in the state of Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, fortunately, living outside regional, uh, outside metropolitan Melbourne, rather, um, we haven't been quite so affected. But there have been curfews where people haven't been out out past nine o'clock at night. Um, they've had five kilometre limits in which they could travel within, uh, and we've had months of of being locked down. So uh, you know the economy has really, really suffered because of that. Uh, a lot of people working from home, etc. But just back to the you know surfing hardware business, it's actually been good for us because uh, where the where our surf business is located in Torquay, there's been lots of people who would normally be travelling to Melbourne for work. It's mm-hmm. about an hour an hour and a half to two hours commute. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been they've been working from home, and um, in in Torquay, working from home is sort of code for. I can go surfing whenever I like, <laughs> as long <laughs> as long as I'm at my meetings or on my phone when I need to be. Right. So, so sales of uh, surfing equipment, and we sell all the weird sort of stuff like stand-up paddleboards, kite surfing, kite oh, okay. surfing equipment, uh-huh. foil, foil surfing equipment. We've had really strong sales for the last two years. Very good. It's been great. It's been great. Yeah. Now, yeah. is so, is the Melbourne Temple open? Uh, it's it's reopening in early December. 
oh, it's been okay. o- it's been open off and on uh, through lockdowns. And uh, I mentioned earlier about my uh, youngest daughter marrying in the temple. Um, she had two dates uh, cancelled, and there was a, a very short break between lockdowns. There was a week break between lockdowns, and uh, the temple. I think phoned them and said, uh, you can get married this week or it might've been the other way around. I I can't remember how it worked, but anyway, they chose, uh, the Saturday to get married. And I, I think the temple was going to planning on being open for the, for the coming week after that Mm -hmm. Saturday. Uh, and the temple's uh, presidency suggest, Oh, why don't you wait till sort of midweek or next Saturday? And they said, no, we want to get married this Saturday because we don't. (laughs) And fortunately they did because within a few days, the temple was closed again. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's so hard. You you want to get married and it gets scheduled and put off and scheduled and put off. It's, you can, I can only imagine the frustration. Now, what about your Mm. sacrament meetings? Are you actually meeting in the chapel? Uh, Yes. We're, we're back having meetings now. I think, I think uh, for the last three weeks or so, we've had uh, our meetings in the chapel with with uh, limits on numbers and only people who are double vaxxed uh, oh. can come to the. So what we're actually doing in our ward, we're actually having two meetings, one for the vaxxed, double vaxxed, and one for the unvaxxed. Wow. Now that's um, I, that's interesting. Um, now, now, when you say a double vax, obviously you're meaning vaccinations. Uh, yeah. When you say a double, you mean it's a vaccination that normally one person just need one and that's it, but you have to go back and get it again, or are you, uh, or, or, well, or, or is the second one the booster? Yeah, the second one's I guess the booster. Oh, okay. Yeah, so All the, right. the most the most popular vaccine, well, the most the approved vaccines in Australia at the moment, and the ones that were approved from the start are the Pfizer vaccine and the Astra. AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah. Um, Moderna has been approved recently, and I think there might be another one being approved as well. But they're all two shots. You need to have your first shot and then your second shot uh, uh, two or three months later, something like that. Okay. So, so uh, look, there's even rules in regulations in all of Victoria at the moment that to go into a retail shop, you have to be double vaxxed. Are, are there ID cards for this? Or, I mean, how, how do they know? Well, we have an uh, an app on our phone. Uh, so to go into a shop, we check in with the app. So uh, a record is kept of, of what shop we've been into. And uh, there's a digital certificate on the phone. So there's someone at the door of the shop checking to see that you've checked in and checking the digital certificate on your phone to make sure that you are double vaxxed. Now, did I hear you right? You called it an air phone? Uh, my, oh, uh, mobile phone. We, oh, yeah, we tend to, yeah, we we tend to use the term mobile phone here rather than cell phone, which you okay. call your devices in the states. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought I heard you say air phone, and I thought, well, that's another expression I haven't heard. Of course, in England they say mobile. Um, mobile. Uh, yeah, a, yeah. A, a mobile phone. Well, yeah. you've. Uh, what, what other callings have you had in the church? Oh. Uh, High council, I've served on several high councils. I've served in the bishopric once. Um, I've served as young men president three times, uh, ward mission leader, 
in the old days, stake mission president. When I came home from my mission, I was ward mission leader and stake mission president, oh. or senior president, senior president of seventies in mm-hmm. the stake. You would remember, you would remember those days. Yes. Richard. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I've taught seminary, uh, not not a full year of seminary, but I have taught seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I've had lots of different callings. Never yeah. served as a bishop. Never served as a bishop. I've been spared that. Uh, that challenge. Yeah, that's not a calling one. Um, um, I don't know what what's the word. It's not a calling one. Um, aspires it, to. Yeah, aspires to. Yeah, aspires to. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so much work involved. It's it's it, oh. after somebody serves as a bishop, they go, "Well, it was a great calling, and I learned a lot." But boy, usually when people and our family or something are called as a bishop, I say, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> <laughs> because I, I I know what, what what's uh, there, you know, waiting for them. But um, yeah. well, now so you you've served quite a bit. Now you said you served a mission. Where did you serve? I, I served in New Zealand, New Zealand Christchurch Mission. Oh, okay. Which, which covered the the South Island and the lower part of the North Island. Uh-huh. Um, the Christchurch Mission doesn't exist as the Christchurch Mission anymore. It's now called the Wellington Mission. Um, that was back in the early 80s, 83, 84. Okay. So I, I came into the church uh, as a convert when I was 24 years old in 1981. I re- so I recently had my 40th anniversary in the church. Oh. And uh, I served a mission uh, about 18 months later. So it was November 81 I joined the church and I was in the MTC, I think, May... 83. Now, when you say the MTC, the one in Provo? No, 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 no. no. There was a mission training centre in uh, in uh, New Zealand at the Temple, Temple View, which is near Hamilton in New Zealand. So we had a, a small MTC there. Oh, okay. Um, oh, well, from memory, I'm thinking there might have been maybe 30 or 40 missionaries there, perhaps, okay. in training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's MTCs all over, but I didn't know back mm. that. I didn't know if back that far... If if there were that many, I know now there's quite a few, but um, mm, I didn't mm. know if they actually flew you up here to to attend up uh, up here. Well, you've had a lot of experience in the church, and um, you said you served as a young men's president. They must love you since you're surfing. Uh, <laughs> well, you can guess what our major uh, <laughs> major activities, fun activities were. Yes, I can only yeah, imagine. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, I think I've, so. I served as a young men's president before I was, went on my mission, uh, and then in a ward in Melbourne. I, I lived in Melbourne for about ten years, so I served up there as a young men president as well. And then, uh, oh, probably ten or fifteen years ago in Geelong, I served as young men president again. So I was in my uh, mid fifties serving as a a young men president. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was still pretty active. <laughs> we still went surfing a lot, so that was fun. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, and look, some of some of the young, young men that I've taught over the years have actually stayed active in the church, and some of them have served missions. Yeah. Uh, and it's all it's it's a great thing. I my wife and I are actually temple workers as well. I should have mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's thrilling. Uh, I've actually had a young man who I taught. Who I taught, a young man who I taught in Sunday school, 
I've I've worked under his direction as he was a shift supervisor in the temple. <laughs> oh, very good. So that so that was thrilling, and it was you know, just yes. a great thrill to see other young men that uh, I taught coming into the temple to you know, do some ordinances in the temple. Yes, just a great just well, a great thrill. Well, now you said you were a convert. At what age? It's in your teens, I guess, that you were. No, no, I was twenty-four. Oh, you were twenty-four. Oh, no, no, I, I, no, no wait, wait a minute. You were 24 when you came in the church. When did you go on a mission? At what age? Uh, look, uh, well, I would have been 25 and a half. So I had actually had my 26th and 27th birthdays in the mission. Okay. So I was, I was a few years older than most of the young Yeah, Yeah, you serving, were quite you know? a few years older. You were the senior companion, at least by age. <laughs> <laughs> I was. We, we used to joke that the only person older than me in the mission was a mission president. But uh, yeah. <laughs> there, there, were, there, there were actually a couple of mm -hmm. senior couples serving in the mission too, so they, they beat me as well. But uh, it was interesting coming into the mission, you know, having a little bit more life experience. Yeah, I, most, I agree. Yeah. Well, th th there's a big difference between being 18 and 19 and being 25 and 26. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'd yeah. had a lot. Of, yeah, I mean, yeah. when I when I think when I think back now, I think, wow, twenty four, and I was a missionary. I, I think how incredibly young I was, of course. Yeah. Now, <laughs> <laughs> look, look, looking back forty years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, how did you come into the church then? At, at that age, what what happened? Well, I was. So this was in November. Uh, so late October, November, uh, that I was taught and baptized um i'd, I'd spent that, that winter leading up to that time so winter is june july august in australia uh i'd spent that winter w working at a ski resort and uh I, when i finished that season at the ski resort i went home to stay at my mother's house in geelong and uh i was just there one day my mum was at work and i was at home I'm, i think i might have been doing something in the kitchen uh, no, I'd written a letter, sorry. I'd written a letter to a, a, a former girlfriend of mine who had worked at the, at the ski resort as well. And she'd gone back to Queensland and I'd come down to Geelong. And I was writing her a letter. And I wrote the letter and I walked down the street to go to the post office to post the letter. This is you know, a long time ago where you had to actually had to do that. <laughs> and as I was walking down the street, two missionaries were walking up the other side of the street and I saw them and this was the street that I lived in they were walking up the other side of the street and I saw them and I thought oh gee by the time I get back home they'll be gone anyway I'm back home and I'm doing something in the kitchen and I hear a knock on the door and I thought to myself I bet it's those missionaries <laughs> and I went to the door and there were two Mormon missionaries standing at the door. And um, I'd listened to them. <laughs> it, was, it was as simple as that. I felt prompted to listen to them. And I can still remember the three questions they asked. The first, the first question was, uh, well, they probably introduced themselves and, uh, you know, said, how are you, or something like that. And they said, do you believe in God? And I said, yes. Uh, and they said, do you believe in, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? And I said, yes. Then they said, if you knew or if you found out that Jesus Christ had restored his church to the earth, 
would you want to know about it? And I, I stopped for a second, and in my mind I thought, gee, I just said yes to the first two questions. If I say no to the third question, I'm going to look pretty stupid, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yeah. So I said, yes. Now, I had had, and prior to this situation, when I was working up at the, up at the snow, I'd had the spiritual experience where I'd been reading a book I've been reading a book called The Cosmic Conspiracy, which was basically a conspiracy theory type of book. But at one stage in the book, the person writing the book, a fellow called Stan Deo, who was a Baptist minister, he said, you can save yourself from all this uh, uh, difficult time that's going to happen at the end of the days uh, and, and the last days before the coming of Christ by signing here. Sign, sign here on this page to say that you believe in Christ and you'll be saved. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I, I didn't ever do that because I just thought, that sounds a bit weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but it convinced me. I'd been raised as a, a, a Presbyterian. My, my parents were not devoutly religious, religious, but we attended church pretty much every Sunday. And I only stopped attending church when I started surfing. Anyway, at at the uh, ski resort where I was working, I had an accident. Uh, I was working on a, a chairlift and I had an accident where I really badly hurt my knee. And what was happening the next day, some friends of mine were from Queensland, Northern Australia, were coming to go skiing with me and I'd hurt my knee. And more than anything, I wanted to go skiing with these guys the next day. And f- for the first time in my adult life, I prayed that I would be able to go skiing with my friends the next day. They'd come all, all the way down from Queensland and we wanted to go off and had a great time together. And um, I woke up in the morning, my knee was fine, and I went skiing. So I'd, I'd had a prayer answered and I, I was uh, not converted at that stage, but, uh, you know, I, I knew that God loved me and would hear my prayers and would answer my prayers. And I think Heavenly Father's up there looking down at Murray and saying, this is my big chance. I'm going to make his knee better so he can go surfing. And then when the missionaries come and knock on his door in a few months' time, he'll say yes. <laughs> uh, so that was a, the, tra- the train of events that led to me you know, being taught by the missionaries. So um, two missionaries from the United States who I still keep in touch with today, uh, Van Christnam, who is a, I, th- I think I'm saying his name right, He's uh, on the faculty of BYU Idaho, and uh, Joe Hatch, who uh, lives down in the Mesa Gilbert area in Arizona. Uh, Van Christman, uh, the first guy, uh, he I only met him once. He was on the plane on the way home the week after they knocked on the door, uh, and he was replaced by a fellow called Rodney Jones from Preston, Idaho. And uh, so uh, Elder Jones and Elder Hatch taught me, baptised me within a few weeks. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's, that's how it all happened, all very quickly. Yes. And how did your parents yeah. respond to you joining the church? Uh, okay. So my, my parents were divorced, separated and divorced when I was probably uh, 16 or 17. Hmm. Um, and so I didn't tell my mother until after... I was baptized. The missionaries would come and teach me during the day while my mum was at work. And uh, so I didn't tell her till afterwards. I was I was 
hesitant to tell her. And yeah. after after I did after I was baptized, I did tell her. It might have been a little while later. Uh, you know, mainly just a couple of weeks, and she said, oh, "I wish you had a told because I've never seen anyone been baptized oh. by immersion." Oh, she no. would have, she would have liked to have been there. Mm, yeah. So uh, my mother never joined the church, uh, but she she became very softened towards the church. I mean, she I I grew up knowing that you didn't talk to Mormon missionaries. They were, they were strange. They were weird sort of guys from the States and you don't talk to them. Hmm. Um, but my mother became quite softened towards the church. She came to the temple open house when the Melbourne temple was dedicated. And she said to me later, you know, she was quite elderly by this stage. She was you know, late 70s, early 80s, perhaps when the, when the um, temple was dedicated. And she said it had a profound effect on her just going to the open house. Uh, so she still didn't get baptised. I mean, it was, it was late in life, and she she actually became more active in the Uniting Church, which was the formed from the Presbyterian Church and other churches uh, many years ago. She, so she became more active in her own church in her later years, which was good. Uh, my father, on the other hand, um, uh, he didn't react at all. Uh, he was taught by the missionaries early on. Uh, when I came home from my mission and I was serving as ward mission leader, he was taught by the missionaries. And uh, I always remember, you know, them drawing the, the diagram of the uh, plan of salvation and the three degrees of glory at the end there, the celestial, terrestrial, mm-hmm. celestial, and, and and the missionaries describing that to him. And he, he points to the bottom one and says, what, what, what's that one there? The celestial? And what's what's that one like? The missionaries <laughs> described that. They said, That'll do me. <laughs> that, that's good enough for me. But but let me let me tell you, Richard, something exciting. Um, towards the end of his life, uh, when he he remarried following my my parents' divorce, my my dad remarried, uh, and he and his wife Norma were married for a long time. I guess it must have been 40, 40 years or more, and. Uh, Norma became unwell as she got older, and she ended up being placed in a uh, an aged care home, uh, which was relatively near to where Margaret and I live. And uh, my dad went there into the same aged care home as as, as she did, but he was he was too active. Um, you know, he was this was you know he was probably eighty seven, eighty eight at the stage. He was too active to really fit in in the aged care home. So we took him out of there and had him come and live at our place. And uh, while he was living at our place, um, we would always have the missionaries come around once a week for dinner. And he started asking questions and I baptized my father <laughs> some time after that. And I, I really, oh. I really did very little. Uh, he just kept on asking questions. He wanted to be part of it. He, saw how we lived our life in the home he would sit there reading the book of mormon um we had members come and visit um you know because this was just what we did um and he just wanted to be part of it um i i did nothing to encourage him uh because i didn't want i didn't want to i mean i'm a salesman i i can convince people that they should be 
doing certain things or buying certain things or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I do. Uh, but uh, I didn't want anyone uh, saying, oh, you've forced him into it or you've brainwashed right, him or anything yeah. like that. It was all his decision, yeah. all his decision. So, Well, well, basically you were following the advice that they're, the, they're giving us now is to what? Um, invite? To, uh, I can't remember the order of it. Is it love, invite, and... Mm. There's there's a third step there, and I'm sorry, I can't remember it. Neither can I. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but uh, you, you were just following following what they're counseling us to do now. Yeah, yeah. Well, turning turning to the scriptures, um, how do you study the scriptures? Well, uh, look, I, I guess everyone has their own own methods and own habits and everything in scripture study. Um, what I tend to do. Mostly, so uh, my wife, my wife is a return missionary as well. Um, so we we both have have our habits, I guess, that we've developed over the years, um, and we 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 have our own personal study of the scriptures, and we have our companionship study of the scriptures, almost every day. Occasionally we miss out, um, and my habit is that I wake up in the middle of the night, um, sometimes two or three in the morning um, mm. for the same reason that most men of my age wake up in the middle of the night. Um, okay. And when I get back into bed, uh, I, I tend to be wide awake and I have a little bit of trouble getting back to sleep. So I have a little um, Samsung Galaxy tab, a little eight-inch Samsung mm-hmm. Gal- Galaxy tab under my pillow and I open it up and I sort of pull the sheets over my head and so it's just study the scriptures in bed in the middle of the night, you know, usually two or three in the morning. <laughs> and, you know, I usually do that until I start to get tired again and feel like, yep, I think I can go back to sleep now. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's my scripture study time, my personal scripture study time. Uh, and then when I wake up again, you know, when I wake up at about seven o'clock, I do a little bit more study. Uh, and then I have my personal prayer and then I get out of bed. So I'm, I'm a little bit... Oh, I'm a little bit slack. I don't kneel by the bed to say my personal prayer. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of, I sort of kneel on the bed with a with a blanket over me, keeping warm to say my personal prayer. And I, and I don't think Heavenly Father minds that too much, you know. Yes. Well, now you said you keep your that tab, um, Samsung tab, under your pillow. So you literally use the scriptures as a pillow. Uh, well, it's, it's just, it's sort of just, just to the side. So- <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know side, it's underneath, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, okay. but, uh, I thought, well, that's interesting. We, I wonder if you have certain dreams because you rest your head on the pill <laughs> or your head on the, uh, on the, on, on the scriptures there. So, 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 okay. That's the way you do it. Now, do you, uh, record anything or do you highlight what, what are you doing? Okay. So I, I obviously use the gospel library app. And and listening to your podcast, Richard, has converted me to really using the Gospel Library app way better than I used to, way better. So, um, yes, I do tag and and take notes uh, in in the scriptures there. But look, I'm I'm an old school missionary. When I served my mission, um, we were still memorizing everything. Uh, you, yeah. you'd, you'd remember the old, what we used to call the rainbow discussions, you know, the folder mm-hmm. of discussions and every discussion was a different color. I was, yeah. I was of, I was in the generation after that, where the, you know, that, that method had been 
put aside and the new discussions had been put together, but we were still memorising everything, but not as much, uh, not as much as we did. And, uh, and so memorising scriptures was also a big part of my scripture study. Mm. So I do use the Gospel Library app, but I don't use it very much just to read the scriptures. I tend to use it more in the car when I'm driving to listen to the, mm. to listen to the scriptures. I, I like to use that feature of the Gospel Library app where you can listen to any chapter and verse that you want to. Yes. And so yes. so I have a half hour drive to the shop down in Torquay and I'll use that half hour to listen to the Book of Mormon or listen to a conference talk or that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But one thing that always happens, always happens, particularly when I listen to the Book of Mormon, is that I don't listen to it for very long when I get prompted to phone someone i get a prompting that oh you haven't talked to so-and-so for a little while and it could be a another church member it could be someone mm-hmm. on my ministering list it could be an old friend who lives in a state it could be a non-member who knows uh but i get this prompting to call someone and so uh so i end up and do you act on that do you act on that prompting right away or yep, what, what do you do i do it straight away Right away. I do it straight away. So I'll, wow. I'll use Google uh, Google Voice. I say, hey, Google, call so-and-so. And so, mm-hmm. so I can do it all very easily. I usually, um, I'm wearing headphones, and uh, half the time people don't even know I'm driving while I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've got, I've got that half-hour time to fill, so I'm listening to the scriptures and, and calling people when I'm driving home. And a lot of times I'll get home, and I'll pull into the – driveway into the carport and I'm actually still talking to someone and sitting in the car for a few minutes before I say hey I've just arrived home I need to go in and I'm getting hungry and Margot will have dinner ready for me I'm going to go inside (laughs) but you know it's just a great way to catch up with people and talk okay but back back to the study in the middle in the middle of the night uh, I tend to uh, use Kindle quite a bit probably more in the middle of the night I'll use Kindle more than the gospel library because I'll be reading books that I've purchased on Kindle. Uh, the book I'm mm-hmm. the book I'm reading at the moment is one called Understanding the Book of Mormon by Grant Hardy. Maybe if oh, okay. he's a professor of um, something or other at some university in the U.S. and he's he's written mm-hmm. he's written this book called Understanding the Book of Mormon. But he's also written a, a, a well, not written he, he's uh, edited what he calls the reader's edition of the Book of Mormon. So he's taken the Book of Mormon and instead of it being all in chapter and verse. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that book. He's put into into, yeah. into paragraphs and it's yes. so much easier to read. Yeah. So much easier to read. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if you have a copy of the original edition. When I say original edition, a copy of... The original edition, not the yeah, not not the original printed. I know what you but mean. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's very easy to to buy that. Oh, and it reads more like it reads more like a novel. Yeah, yeah. I ha- I haven't seen it, but I understand that that's what it's like. And um, yeah, yeah. In fact, I I was taught at BYU Education Week. Somebody can't remember which professor it was, but he said that quite often we need sh- we should go to that original edition and read because. Uh, like King Benjamin's talk is what two or three chapters in the Book of Mormon, and it's all one chapter, 
and it just flows better. Mm. It helps you. It helps you to see the context of the whole talk. Mm. Where when we tend to tend to divide it up into verses and and chapters, it it kind of destroys the flow. And so occasionally I will. Um, in fact, I even have a digital copy of that now. And occasionally I will go to that and reread it mm-hmm. uh, that way because it, it does read more like a story and you can kind of see the whole context of what he was mm. doing. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So I, but I've seen the book by Hardy that you've been talking about. I, I I've seen that. There, 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 there is actually another version of someone else has done something similar to that. Um, but, uh, brother Hardy's book, understanding the book of Mormon is awesome in that it, it he breaks it down to uh, a, a narration level and says, okay, we've got three main narrators in the Book of Mormon. We've got Nephi, Mormon, and Moroni. They're the main mm-hmm. narrators. And he compares their different styles and why they did certain things and everything. And that is just a fantastic book. I can't re- recommend yeah. strongly enough, you know. All right. Well, it's been very interesting talking to you. Now, uh, but something just crossed my mind. Sure. Your wife, Margot, does she does she use the gospel library? Uh, she's beginning to. She, oh, okay. She's very much still using a, a paper scriptures and uh, mm-hmm. the paper edition of the Ensign uh, to study the scriptures. But, you know, as, as we're going on a mission next year, um, you know, she knows she, she's going to need to use uh, the gospel library app effectively. A bit yeah. more, and so she's she's getting used to it. You know, she's, you know, she's not okay. she's not totally, she's not totally backwards using uh, mobile devices, <laughs> but she's she's getting better, and she you know she's starting okay. to do things. She's using Facebook Messenger now to contact people and things like that. So she's okay. she's getting better. Right. Uh, a couple of that other apps that we do use though uh, for our study of the scriptures, I I use uh, the the app that the seminary students use, the Doctrinal Mastery app. Okay. I use that mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, to me, studying the scriptures means getting them, in, getting them into my mind, and and mm-hmm. so I still like to memorize things. Uh, and so I, okay. I've tried to memorize the proclamation on the family, the testimony of the twelve apostles of, yes. uh, on the living Christ. I've I've tried to memorize the the latest proclamation on um, the restoration of the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. I find it terribly hard to memorize things now now that I'm older. Uh, but I try to because, you know, memorizing things to me is just the way that I really begin to understand yeah. the scriptures and focus on certain words and things like that. And, and you know, I have things yeah. I have things come into my mind as, a mem- as I memorize them, you know, applications for different verses perhaps or whatever, you know. So that's what I do. Yes. So the, the Doctoral Mastery app, and the, there's a link you can share. Uh, scriptures from the gospel library and so you can load yes. load scriptures from the gospel library into doctrinal mastery and so you, you can add to your list of um, scriptures that you're memorizing there and i use the quiz and the flashcards in there to mm-hmm. uh you know I'm, I'm i'm more into these days not learning the verses word for word although a lot i still remember from my mission but new ones i tend just to memorize the you know the reference you know the chapter and verse that it can be found at yeah and 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 the the, you know the general topic of that scripture right yes yeah yeah. no uh, memorization is a great way and that is a great app i'm very familiar with it Mm. and uh no it's it's um it's a good one i i don't use it i I'm familiar with it. I teach the use of it for those that like it. Mm. Um, I just found that with my dyslexia, 
I have tried and tried to memorize over the years when I was a young man. And there were poems that I memorized. And unless I was repeating it every single week, mm. I would I would just quickly lose it. And so I finally gave up. And the digital scriptures is my answer because okay. with tagging and everything, I can turn to whatever I want, <laughs> whenever I need and, and, and find what I want. But uh, yeah. no, I, I, I admire the people that can memorize it. I, I really do. Richard, I, Richard, I, sorry, Richard, sorry to cut you off, but I've never heard you say before that you're dyslexic. Well, if you hear all the podcasts, it'll probably come out. I am dyslexic. Mm. Um, I'm not so severely dyslexic that I can't read. In fact, I can read, and, and most people would think I'm not even dyslexic. But the problem is I, I can actually read a paragraph for somebody and not understand a single thing it just said. <laughs> but 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 they'll go you know and that's where I had trouble in school they would have me read and then they'd say well you know and I'd go well I have to reread it again and even even today I I was what am I reading now um, God shall prevail um, by Molstein I'm, I'm rereading that mm -hmm. and several times I've got to read that paragraph again and again and again or the sentence until it okay okay now i understand what he's saying so yeah and and i found that it did affect my my memorization skills and i just have never been able to and i and i i really admire people that can memorize mm -hmm. I, I really do it's something that i wish that i i could do because it's just uh i think it's a great skill and and Anciently, that's the way things were passed on. That's right. People weren't. People didn't write things down. They passed it on. Mm. But uh, I just don't seem to have that particular skill. So, but I, I think it's a great skill to have. And yes, it's a great way to, as you're driving or something, to review those things. And I, mm. I it is a great app. It really is because it's got the flashcards in it. And as you said, you can bring things over from the gospel library. So mm. I recommend it to anybody that uh, is able to to uh, to memorize. Mm. Well, it's been very interesting talking to you and. Um, I'm going to have to see who else I can talk to down in Australia. <laughs> oh, look, there is there are some interesting people down here. I, I can tell you. Yeah, I can tell you. Yeah. Richard, Richard, something you haven't asked me about. <laughs> yes. Well, what haven't I asked which, you? Which I want to tell you about is is what my wife and I have been through trying to get organized to go on a mission. It's it's been a difficult time. <laughs> Well, are you are you going to sell your house or what are you doing? Oh, well, no, we're not going to sell our house. We're going to, we're we're hoping to rent our house out. So we we need to empty it out so that it's available for someone to rent. Um, so right. because when we serve our mission, we'll be paying rent on wherever we live. So we need to have rent coming in from our house here so that we have right. have money to pay the rent there. But we we started to uh, look at serving a mission at the start of. 2020 and uh so we started to look at what we need to do to you know do all the the necessary paperwork in inverted commas it's all online and uh you know i i went to thailand we went we had a we had a short holiday in thailand so i could get my teeth fixed up i needed some work done on my teeth and a lot of australians do this we travel to thailand where the dental work is very professional and a lot cheaper than Australia. We have a little holiday in Thailand mm. and we fly home. As we were flying back into Australia, or through Singapore, actually, they were checking temperatures of people because this was right at the start of COVID. Uh, and so we were 
we had everything submitted uh, uh, at the start of last year and um, everything was shut down. We didn't get our mission call. This was at the time when missionaries were getting sent home. Uh, you know, everything was closing down. And uh, so mm -hmm. this was prior to getting our mission call. And uh, so we just had to sit it out for you know, 12 months or so. Then at the start of this year, we looked at resubmitting our uh, missionary recommendation. And uh, we did that. We actually had to redo some of the medical because it was over 12 months. So we had to redo some of the medical examinations and submit that as well. We did that. Uh, and there were some... There were some delays in doing that, but we got it done, and uh, we actually received our mission call to serve in the Brisbane Australia mission, which we were thrilled about. We wanted to stay in Australia. We didn't really want to go anywhere, uh, and so we received that call. And I think we were called to serve, uh, called to enter the MTC in about July of this year, and so we looked at that and we thought, mm, yeah, we we think we can do that. Uh, anyway, about that time, um, I was talking to my older daughter, the, the musical one, and uh, she's had health challenges all her life. Uh, she, when she was 19 years old, she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, she said, Dad, I, I'm, I'm having some... Uh, examinations uh, and, and the doctors uh, seem to think it's okay. I've, I've had some um, uh, tests, but I need to have, I need to have a biopsy. I have a lump in my breast mm. uh, and the doctors, everyone's saying they think it's okay. It doesn't feel, doesn't feel bad or mm. anything. She was quite confident it was all going to be okay. Uh, and uh, she had the biopsy and the results of the biopsy came back saying it was a cancerous slump in her breast. So that, um, you know, that's not the sort of thing any parent wants to hear. Right. Um, and so you can imagine that, um, you know, that, you know, sort of turned our lives upside down a little bit. Uh, she's, she's had uh, what's called a lumpectomy. Uh, she, mm -hmm. She's had chemotherapy. And she's just started, just this week, she's had a first uh, treatment of radiation therapy. Uh, mm -hmm. And that will be five days a week uh, for the next four or five weeks. Uh, so, you know, she'll finish her therapy leading up to Christmas, close to Christmas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so that, that uh, you know, I, I don't want to say but it did it sort of threw a spanner in the works of for our plans which wasn't you know that wasn't the first thing we thought of of course when when you know she told us that was what was going on you know our, our main mm -hmm. our main concern of course was for her and 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 what she was going through and everything um but we, we'd been talking about serving a mission for a long long time um prior to our putting our papers in uh, I'd wanted to serve a mission. Margot was a little bit more hesitant. She wanted to make sure 
uh, you know, our family was was settled. She wanted Miriam to come back mm-hmm. back from her mission. I actually wanted to serve mm-hmm. a, serve a mission at the same time. Miriam was serving her mission, but uh, <laughs> that that didn't work out. Um, and my, I have an older sister. My older sister was diagnosed with with uh, breast cancer many years ago as well. And so she'd been through all the same treatments that um, uh, my daughter's gone through now. Uh, and she, her her cancer has metastasized, and and so she has mm. she has breast cancer in other parts of her body now. Right. Um, and yep. so we were waiting for her to be settled before we would think about seriously about mm-hmm. and and, she, yeah. and she's quite stable now you know if you saw her you wouldn't think there was anything wrong with her but and uh, you know she she suffers um you know she she's has low energy and uh, you know mm-hmm. she's she's not she's not leading a 100 percent normal life she needs a certain amount of help right. she's quite stable yeah um you know so we've we've had various reasons over the years why we haven't been able to serve a mission um, but I, I guess what I wanted to say about all that is that eventually things can work out where you can. Um, mm-hmm. And the church has made available various ways of serving a mission, uh, such as service missions these days where you can serve from home. But mm-hmm. but both Margot and I being old-time missionaries who had been away from home to serve missions, we both felt that we wanted to get away from home to serve a mission and it's yes, it's yeah. it's a hard thing to do there's a lot of things that you need to do to get to that point where you can and you have mm-hmm. to and you have to make certain decisions along the way so that you can do that but it's it's not easy and there are actually very few senior couples in australia who who do get to that point where they can get away from home to serve a mission we have couples mm-hmm. in our ward serving as service missionaries uh, there's yes. two, two or three couples in our ward are, are doing that at the moment or have have done that mm-hmm. recently, and that's fantastic. Um, but we just wanted to get away. We wanted to get away from yeah. home and, yeah. and, 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 and serve a, what we call a proper mission. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to say that to denigrate anyone. <laughs> you know, there, there's nothing wrong with serving a service mission. We'll probably do that when we come home from our full-time mission. But, but that's what we wanted to do. Margot mm-hmm. and I are both old-fashioned you know, we, we, we served missionaries when we were young and we want to do that thing again. You know, we yeah, get, out, yeah. get out and do it again. Well, where are you going to be serving? Uh, so the Brisbane Australia Mission. Uh, oh, okay. Which, covered, Brisbane, okay. which covers a huge area. It covers the state of, yeah. it covers the whole state of Queensland, plus it covers some of northern New South Wales. It covers an area... Bigger than Texas. <laughs> Let's say it's bigger than Texas. Oh, okay. It, yeah. It's, well, that's 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 pretty big. It, it's <laughs> you know, I mean, if you think of us, the Australian mainland as being about the same size as mainland US, mm-hmm. uh, it's about the same size, uh, and we have six states and two territories. We, we don't have fifty states. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. Queensland, oh, gee, it's a huge area. It's yeah, it's huge. I, I, I mean, to, to to drive from the you know the southern point of Queensland to the northern point of Queensland, it's probably a two day drive, and you probably can't. You yeah. know, it, it's just an enormous area. 
enormous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said in the beginning, Australia is huge. <laughs> All you have to do is take Australia and lay it across the United States and you get a feel for how big it really is. Yeah. It's, it's it, it and I I know a lot of it is desert and all mm, of that, but mm. still it's 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 a big big island. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it, but mm. it's it, it's huge. It really is huge. Well, I've enjoyed the time with you, and you probably know by now that I always ask my guests to bear their testimony. So, would you mind doing that? Oh yes, yes. Look, <laughs> I've been thinking about how I might say this <laughs> to you. Um, at this time, obviously, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, Richard, and uh, one of the most recent ones I've just listened to was uh, the two senior ladies you've interviewed just recently. And one, yes, Mary Ellen and Gracia. Yeah, and one of them was yeah. a descendant of the Prophet Joseph Smith, yeah. and uh, yep. hearing hearing her bear her testimony was just wow. I was thinking, gee, Richard's going to ask me the same question. <laughs> yes, so, I am. So, look, I, you know, when those two missionaries knocked on my door and, and taught me about the prophet Joseph Smith and taught me about the Book, Book of Mormon and they showed me a picture of the 12 and the first presidency of the church, um, you know, I, I felt prompted to listen to them at that stage, you know, you know, I'd had missionaries knock on the door prior to that time, many times. I don't know how many times prior, you know, it's like I was being hunted down. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it wasn't the case, but um, I felt prompted to listen to them. I went inside with the Book of Mormon and I read it straight away. I didn't read all of it. I just read the parts that they suggested I read. And um, I prayed about it straight away. I wanted to know straight away if the Book of Mormon was true. And and I felt I felt the voice of God coming into my mind saying, It's true, follow these young men and you can't go wrong. So that was how I received my initial witness that the Book of Mormon the Book of Mormon is true and that the prophet Joseph Smith really was a prophet of God. Just like the prophets that I'd learned about when I was a child going to the Presbyterian church. So I, I, I knew that right from the start and I was baptized a short time afterwards and served a mission as we've already talked about. And many, many times over the course of my mission and over the course of my life in the church, uh, since I've been home from my mission, my married life, many, many times, dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times. I don't know. I felt the spirit bear witness to me that what I, what I am a part of, what I what I have become as I've been a member of the church, um, it's all true. Um, it's amazing and it's true. And I can understand why people would hear this story and think, huh, you know, <laughs> one of the things I initially thought was, huh, Americans, they think they're the best at everything and now they think they have the best church, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I, I know it's true and I've educated myself. I know and have read many, many things uh, that we would call anti-Mormon literature. I've read it all and I keep on reading and, I'm, you know, I know there's answers to all those questions. All the questions people have that might bring the, them to doubt the reality, the truthfulness of the church, there are answers to all those questions. 
you just have to keep on reading and you'll find the answers. So, you know, I know I know God lives. I know he answers our prayers and I know Jesus Christ is our saviour and his son. And I know he's restored the church to the earth through the prophet Joseph Smith. And our prophet today, today Russell M. Nelson, is a real prophet. He's, he, he might be a heart surgeon, or he used to be a heart surgeon, but more importantly, he's a prophet, a prophet of God. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm.